All right, let's take our Bibles and go to Acts chapter number 9. We were in Acts chapter 9 last week, um, but we have to mind the Lord on what He wants us to uh, speak on, and so we're going to be in Acts chapter 9 again tonight. Uh, last week we spoke on uh, how Saul and his conversion, and how on that road to Damascus, how he met Jesus, uh, met God face to face, and um, we know that we preached on God can save anybody, and I'm sure glad that he can. I'm glad that he's willing uh, and able to save to the uttermost, and I'm sure glad for that tonight. But we're going to be in the same passage of Scripture this evening in uh, Acts chapter number 9. As I was pondering these things this week again and going through them, uh, my mind and my heart went back to this passage and portion of Scripture, uh, going through this uh, series through the book of Acts. And I want to talk tonight about a word that is a very uh, critical word. Uh, it's a, a word that we we find very difficult, and uh, it's not actually the word in this passage, but the meaning of this phrase is uh, applicable to this word, and we'll talk about it in verse starting in verse number 4 of Acts chapter number 9. It said, And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, look at this next phrase, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He was asking a question of the Lord here about what God wanted him to do. And I began to think about that statement. He asked the Lord a question that a lot of us aren't willing to ask God. God, what wilt thou have me to do? And he put his acknowledgement in the Lord. And when God gave him that, by what he was saying there is, Lord, I'm in complete surrender right now. What is it that you want of me? And when it came to complete surrender, I began to look up that word about complete surrender, and it came to this, the word commitment. Commitment. And uh, I'm going to preach to you tonight on biblical commitment and what a biblical commitment does uh, in our lives and how it will help us uh, as we go through uh, this lesson here tonight hopefully be a help and a blessing to you. Let's pray, Lord. We love you. Thank you for the day. Bless the message I asked you tonight. Lord, be with the, the service. Help us, uh, uh, Lord, just get everything across that you would have us to get across this evening. And God, I pray that you use me as your mouthpiece. Hide me behind the cross. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I pray that you be with the Withros tonight. Lord, I know they're going through a difficult time. But, Lord, I pray that you'll help them to be comforted to know that Jerry's in heaven with you. And, uh, Lord, I pray that as we have the funeral tomorrow that you'll be highly lifted up. And, Lord, that your name will be exalted. And, uh, Lord, I pray that as we talk tonight that through the message and we preach toward tonight the word of God, Lord, that we'll not be afraid of the word commitment. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. As I was thinking about this phrase when he asked him, he said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go in the city, and it shall be told thee, what thou must do. Look at verse 8. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. So God told him to do something, and he did it. He asked God the question, Lord, what will thou have me to do? I want to ask us tonight, will we be willing to ask God that question? Lord, what will thou have me to do? Not God, will you do what I want done, but Lord, what is it that you want me to do? See, that shows a complete surrender a complete turning over of your life to the Lord. Lord, 
what wilt thou have me to do? Basically saying, God, I'm surrendered to exactly what it is that you want of me. And I got to thinking about that word commitment. And uh, commitment's a word a lot of people are afraid of. Uh, In today's society, we deal with people that want to attend church but don't want to join church. They want to come, they want to attend, but they don't want to be committed because they don't want to be tied down or feel obligated to a certain uh, congregation or to a uh, certain thing. They don't want to be committed to it. He said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He was committing. And this commitment that he was doing, this complete surrender, then produced an obedience in Saul's life. See, because he was completely surrendered, he was willing to obey what God told him to do. He said, Arise and go, and I will tell thee what thou must do. And he arose, and he went. Yes, he had other people there helping him, but he arose, and he went. He obeyed the Lord. This commitment turned in to obedience. And when we have this, uh, that statement in our heart and in our mind, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? We have a committed mind and heart to God. It then gets produced into obedience. Because when you have a complete surrender and you have the right heart, when you're saying that to the Lord, Lord, I'm open up to anything you have for me. That means that if God tells you, I want you to uh, be a Sunday school teacher, guess what you ought to do? You ought to be open to that and completely surrender to do what God wants you to do. Have, be committed. But we have a generation of people who don't like commitment. They don't like to be committed to things and uh, to have commitment. We have all throughout our nation, we have people that are, uh, we have a lot of divorce rates going on and different things. Why? Because there's a lack of commitment. Uh, now, there's, there's times that people have made mistakes beforehand. And get, they got remarried, and guess what? They're committed to one another and things like that. But we're not, we're not willing to just commit to things, to make a commitment to the Lord. But the fact of the matter is, uh, we can't change what the past is, but we need to be committed right now to God. We need to surrender our heart to the Lord. You know, we can say, well, you know what, I made some mistakes in the past, and I've done this and that. Whatever you're in doing for the Lord right now, get committed to Him. Be committed. It's a complete surrender. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? See, now, we're not, uh, we're not condoning uh, uh, separating things and doing all this, but we live in a generation that's where we're at today in a lot of situations. But the fact of the matter is we just have this idea that it's okay just to uh, make a commitment and then walk away from it. Make it a commitment and walk away from it. Make a commitment walk away from it. There's no loyalty today in our lives in anything that we do. And we have to come to the place where it's a complete Total surrender. It's not true commitment if we're walking away from it. That's not committed to something. A commitment is something that motivates you into action for the Lord. When you say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He says, hey, I want you to teach a Sunday school class. Guess what you ought to do? You ought to arise and go. Say, hey, pastor, uh, I'm willing to teach a Sunday school class. There's a need and I'm willing to do it. Preacher, can I do it? And you know what? We get you plugged in and going forward. And guess what? You're going to be the best Sunday school teacher that you can be. God may tell you, guess what, I want you to uh, fill up a bus and bring kids to, to, to church. Guess what you need to do? Fill up a bus and bring people to church. Why? Because commitment to God, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? A commitment sanctifies you. You say, what's it mean? It sets you apart. It makes you different from the rest of the world. A commitment, somebody who's committed to the Lord is somebody who is set apart, willing to serve him, no matter what. See, Saul was going to persecute him. 
Saul was going to persecute the church. He's on the road to Damascus. He got uh, permission from the high priest to go and to bring the, the church bound and lock them up in prison and all this. But God met him on this road. He gets saved and he says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, there's a change in my life. Old things are passed away. All things are come new. God, I want to surrender completely to what it is you want me to do. He was committed to God. And a biblical commitment is going to sanctify you and set you apart from other people. Setting apart, uh, the word sanctified in the dictionary said set apart to a sacred purpose. The word sovereign being uh, sanctified to a sovereign God. Sovereignty meant freedom from an external control. Guess what? The fact of the matter is we have a sovereign, sovereign God who wants to have complete control of you and I. And the only way that's going to happen is if we're set apart from the world unto God. But that only comes from complete commitment and surrender to the Lord. we got to be committed. We don't like the word commitment. A lot of people don't like that. We don't like to be committed to anything. We like our freedom. Just go and come as we please. Want to do what we want to do. You know, there's people I've known that, man, they've been in church for 30 years. And you ask them, hey, uh, how long have you been a member of this church? Oh, I'm not a member. I, I, I'm not going to join the church. Oh, I've been attending for 30 years, but I'm not a member. Why? You ought to commit to something. We're afraid to commit to it. Listen, it's God's house. We ought to be willing to commit to it. But it committed in our service for God. When we're saying, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do in our hearts, sets us apart. It sanctifies us, makes us different. See, now Saul, he was one way just a few moments ago before he trusted Christ as his Savior. Now in his heart and out loud, he's saying, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He's saying, listen, I'll do whatever it is that you want, Lord. Total surrender, complete commitment in his heart. If God tells you, listen, I want you to give X amount of dollars, would you do it? Because we're committed completely to God. If God says, hey, I want you to sell all you got and go to the mission field, would you do it? Because God says, this is what I want you to do. Are we committed in the mindset of, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? A commitment sanctifies us. We ought to yield to God. But you know what? God gives us a free will to choose. You understand, God doesn't control you and I like robots. He doesn't sit up there with a little joystick in heaven and move us around like we're some video game for him. No, he gives us a free will to choose. Take your Bible to Genesis chapter number 2. Verse 15, it says this, And the Lord God took man... And put him into the garden of Eden and uh, to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou shalt eat thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a help uh, meet for him. And it goes on and he talks about uh, how Eve was made and all this. But God gave Adam a command in Genesis chapter 2, didn't he? What did he say? You're not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was his command. Of all the other trees you can eat, but of this one, don't eat of it. 
And Adam, I don't know if Adam told Eve and took it to a different extreme, because remember when Lucifer told her, he said, uh, what's wrong with this tree? I'm paraphrasing. She said, well, the Lord said we can't eat of it, neither can we touch it or else we die. I don't know if Adam was just so worried of eating it that he said, listen, Eve, we can't even touch it. Don't touch the tree. But God said you can't eat of it. But you know what? God didn't make them stay away from it. God was hoping they would just obey him because of a complete commitment to God. But Satan comes along and deceives Eve, and Eve partakes of the fruit and you know, gives to Adam, and Adam freely eats and disobeys God, and we know sin passed upon all men from that time forward. But see, God doesn't just sit up there like a little robot or, or bring us around like little robots to just obey at every whim. No, God gives us a free will to choose because he wants us to be committed to him because we desire to be committed to him. It, it, you'll do more for love than you will for obligation. You say, what are you talking about? When you love something, you'll be committed to it. And you'll do it. You've seen somebody, man, they're, they're just, they love football. And man, guess what? And because of they, their love for football, they're committed to exercise and to do everything they need to do to make themselves ready for that sport. Man, they're just committed to it. They eat, drink, sleep, breathe, all that stuff, football. And they get committed to it. And they'll, they'll, they'll do it till they can't do it anymore. But you know what? We have a Heavenly Father who loves us more than anything else. And He desires of us to serve Him with our, with our lives. And He says, this is what I have for you. And our, our, our statement ought to be, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And it sanctifies us and sets us apart. And we choose to obey Him willingly. It's a transfer of ownership. That's what a commitment is. It's a transfer of ownership that, listen... I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I belong to someone else. See, I made a commitment like that too in 2001. I got married to Lori. And you know what I told her? I said, till death do we part. For better or for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, so long as we both shall live. I made a commitment. That commitment to her that day, you know what I was saying to her? Is I'm not my own. I'm yours. And she said, I'm not my own, I'm yours. That was a commitment that we made. And that God likens the church to the bride of Christ. And when we have that commitment, you know what God says? When we got saved, he is ours. And we are his. And that's the way it ought to be. But he gives us that opportunity to serve him willingly. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? This transfer of ownership. And my mind went to Romans 12, 1 and 2, where he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So a commitment. A commitment sanctifies us. It sets us apart. You know, when you're committed to something you know, you, you, you have this desire to proceed and to do that thing. You say, see, I have a desire to be with my wife. Why? Because I committed myself to her. I have a desire to be with her. Why? Because I'm hers and she's mine. And I desire that because I made a complete surrender. By the way, let me just throw this out there. Marriage is not a 50-50 relationship. You understand that? It's a 100-100 relationship. You got to give everything you've got on both sides of it you got to work as hard as you can on both sides of it. God gave everything for us. 
We ought to be willing to give everything for him. See, when Paul said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? It goes on even further in the book of Acts. Now here's uh, Ananias. Remember, God gives him that, uh, that challenge. But he calls Ananias and he says, Ananias, and he says, yes, Lord. Like, I'm here. I'm surrendered. I'm open. What is it that you want for me? He acknowledged the fact that there was a charge God was about to give him. You know what he was saying, God? I'm completely open to what it is you have me. And then God threw him a curveball, didn't he? God tells Ananias, hey, there's a man named Saul of Tarsus. And you know what? He's going to be coming to you. Tell, I've got a message for you to send to him. And he kind of takes a little step back and he says, God, you know, this is the guy that, you know, has been hurting the church and persecuting God's people. And you want me to go and talk to this guy? And he said, listen, he's, he's chosen of me. He's a new creature now, Ananias. And, and he did it. He went. He obeyed God. Why? Because complete commitment, complete surrender. Not only does a commitment sanctify us, but a commitment simplifies our life. It simplifies it because there's no question on what we do. See, we're not, uh, well, some days I'm serving him, some days I'm not. Here I'm in, here I'm out. When you're committed, it simplifies things. I want you to look at Romans chapter number 6. Look at Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse number 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are, to whom ye obey? Whether, your sin, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye which, the, which were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. He's talking here and he's saying this. When you yield yourself to God, it makes things easier. It simplifies things. Why? Because who, you that were servants to sin, when you yield yourself to God, it helps you to overcome those sins. It simplifies things. You know, it's difficult when we try to live life for the flesh and then live life in the spirit. Why? Because the Bible says, first off, it's impossible for us to serve two masters. We can't hold to the one and love the other. We're, we're going to despise one or the other. That's the way it's going to work. We're not going to say, oh, I love this one and I love this one. Amos 3.3 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? The fact of the matter is you can't agree with the devil and agree with God. What he's saying is this. Listen, when you were saved and you were brought out of this, and you are now servants of righteousness. So you ought to serve God. Just yield yourself as instruments unto him. Be, now, wait a second. An instrument unto God means this, that God's in control of the instrument. An instrument can't do anything without one using that instrument. 
Somebody has to use it. If you give a doctor an instrument tool in surgery, the instrument really can't do anything without the guidance of the doctor. And the fact of the matter is, it simplifies our Christian life when we just learn to have some biblical commitments. Just, I'm going to surrender to God. That means God guides every step of my life. Every aspect of my life, God guides that. I was talking with someone today uh, for a while and uh, had a, a, a lunch a meeting with somebody today and we were talking about God and we were talking about uh, God's leadership and God's guidance uh, in our lives and as we were talking about those things I uh, brought it around to this and when we commit ourselves to God we're saying Lord what wilt thou have me to do we're opening ourselves up for whatever it is God wants us to do whether it's in our comfort zone or out of our comfort zone we're opening ourselves up to whatever God wants. And then God tells us stuff that we're incapable of doing on our own. And we think, well, God, you must have messed up. This delivery that you just gave me is something that uh, I really can't do here, Lord. And, uh, and God's just saying, no, listen, you're an instrument. I can do it. And it was a simplified thing. Guess what? Brother Scott, I can't pastor Faith Baptist Church by myself. I can't do it. I have to be an instrument for the Lord. I have to be an instrument for, the, for God to be used in His hand to do whatever it is that He wants us to do. And you're never going to live the Christian life without a biblical commitment in your life. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Having that phrase etched in your heart and in your mind, it simplifies it. The word reckon, I looked that word reckon up, it, meant, uh, it came out to this, faith in action. Is how it's defined. Faith in action. To reckon something to something else. It's putting that belief into going forward into action. So you think about something. That means this. God said it, so obey it. That's pretty much what reckoning something is. Let's just bring it down to where it is. Here's truth. Obey. That simplifies things, doesn't it? Why do we make the Christian life difficult? Here's the problem. Our disobedience causes a lot of grief. If we were just committed to God, just surrendered completely to the Lord, brother guy, it'd be a whole lot simpler because then we just do what God wants us to do. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I thought it was uh, very interesting because as a youth pastor, I would plan some activities and all these things, but I would always run them by the pastor so I knew I had approval to get that done. And so I was doing those things and I had sometimes parents come to me and say, that's a pretty crazy game. Why would you do that game? I said, pastor said so. Pastor said I could. You know, why? Because I had somebody else that was guiding, saying, yes, you can, no, you can't. It made it a whole lot easier. You know why? Because I could just say, he said so, okay? So in the Christian life, when God tells us to do something, it makes it a whole lot easier to say, listen, God said it. That's why I do it. Well, why is it that you, you don't listen to ungodly music? God said not to. So I don't. Why is it you don't drink? God said, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whosoever deceived thereby is not wise. That's why I don't do it. It's a whole lot simpler when you're just committed to the word of God. When God says it, that settles it, period, done. Makes it a whole lot simpler. That's what biblical commitment does. It sanctifies you, it sets you apart, but it simplifies things. It simplifies things. But also, commitment, not only does it uh, sanctify us, not only does it simplify our service, but it also signifies our sincerity to God. It shows how sincere 
we really are. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter number 10, look at verse number 32 and following. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whoso shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I am come not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be, thy, uh, be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I was reading through that, and I began to think, man, what love we have for our kids. What love we have for our spouses. What love we have for people that we have around us that motivate us in our service for God and doing things for God. But God said this, if you love them more than you love me, there's a problem. You know what a total commitment, a biblical commitment does? It shows and signifies our sincerity to God. God, I love you more than my spouse. God, I love you more than my kids. God, I love you more than my own life. If I lose my life for your sake, Lord, what a joy that would be. Why? Because a complete commitment signifies a sincere heart. See, you know why we don't get real with God? You know why we don't have revival in our land? I'll tell you why. Because we're not committed. We're not committed. Commitment sticks around even when the storms come. Commitment stays even when it feels like we can't stand. It says, and having done all to stand. A commitment stands no matter what happens. A commitment is one that when you get knocked down, you're standing right back up again. I was reading a story one time of the boxer, Muhammad Ali. And they asked Muhammad Ali, they said, what makes you such a great fighter? He said, oh, I fought, I fought many fighters greater than I am. He said, but the thing that set me apart from them was I just got up one more time than they did. And the fact of the matter was he was just committed to stand up. And the fact is, as our Christian life, we need to be committed to stand. No matter what, just stand. When Satan knocks you down, you get back up. When Satan knocks you down, you get back up. When Satan knocks you down, you get back up. When storms rage and they knock you down, guess what? You get back up. That's what commitment does. It goes forward. It goes forward for God. Keeps pressing on, pressing on, pressing on. What a commitment it is. It shows our sincerity, our sincerity for the Lord. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 21, it says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Elijah's on Mount Carmel and he says this, How long halt ye between two opinions? 
You know what he's saying? Just choose what side you're on. Be committed. When Joshua stood before the nation of Israel, choose you this day whom you will serve. You know what he was saying? It's time to commit. Time to commit. Just make a commitment. Whose side are you on? You on God's side or you on the devil's side? Or can't we tell? Well, it depends on what day it is. It depends on what day we're looking at you, if we can decide what side you're on. The fact of the matter is, if you're not totally committed, then guess whose side you're on? The devil's side. You say, preacher, that's not true. I love God. Really? Does your love for God motivate you to completely surrender? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? God, what do you want from me? What is it that you have completely? Guess what God has for everybody in this room to be a witness for him? You know what complete, complete surrender and commitment to God is? That you're going to witness for him. God, that's God's will for us. To, to preach the word, to give the gospel, to be lights to this world. Ye are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. He says, go ye therefore, teach all nations. Preach the gospel to every creature. God tells us to go and do it. You know what complete commitment to God says? Yes, sir. Arise and go. You get up and do it. And God says, read my word. Pray. You know what commitment says? Yes, sir, I'll do it. You get up and do it. God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. You know what commitment does? Lives holy, righteously, and godly in this present world. Why? Because God said it. Period. Done. It simplifies it. Our Christian life could be a whole lot easier. Listen, I didn't say it was going to be a bed of roses. I didn't say it was going to be smooth sailing. I didn't say there wasn't going to be obstacles. But it makes it a whole lot easier to know what to do when you just say, okay, God, what wilt thou have me to do? makes things a whole lot simpler when we're not trying to say well i wonder what facebook thinks and you get fifty-seven thousand different opinions and none of them have any spirituality to them at all most of the time but then we go to god's word and we say god what is it that you want me to do and it seems like when we go with that kind of heart to the lord and we say lord what wilt thou have me to do and we have that sincerity in our heart and it shows the sincerity of our of our heart to the Lord, God tells us, go, do this. And guess what? When he does, he says this, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. You know, and I got to thinking about when he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do you understand? God is, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Your body's the temple of the Lord. So he's with you all the time. However, God resists sin. You understand that? God's not going to go with you to the bar all the time. You understand that? When you take God into a life of sin, yeah, the Holy Spirit's there, but God doesn't follow you all around into this wickedness. God is exactly where he's always been. You understand what I'm getting at? God is there all the time. When we leave God, it's not God leaving us. It's us leaving God. Yes, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, but God's always there ready for us to come back to him. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm always here for you. But there's a quote I have in the front of my Bible that says this, God stopped leading you where you stopped following him. When you crawl fish on your commitment, as they would say, or you turn your back on that, then guess what? God's still doing what he's always done. God's still committed and doing what's right. 
we're the ones that go off into sin and do the wrong things. But he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The best example of commitment is God. You know how we know that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's commitment. Somebody who's undeserving of love gets love no matter what because God committed to it. When God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that's a commitment that God makes. That Listen, it doesn't matter how far down you went, that if you're willing to come back to him, he's there, willing to receive you. He's willing to take you back. He's willing to, even through the valley of the shadow of death, we help us not to fear. Why? Because he's with us. That's the, the commitment that God makes to you and I. He makes that commitment that he's always, always there ready to receive us when we need that. When we cry out to him, Lord, save me. Guess what? He's there. He's there. Lord, forgive me. With that surrendered heart, guess what? He's there. He's there. He's committed. But true biblical commitment, when, when Saul cries out, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You know how I know that this was a sincere, a sincere type request? Because look what happens from there for the rest of his life. You know what he said? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And he didn't say that in every day of his life as we read through and the things. But guess what he was always doing? Preaching Jesus. Living what God wanted him to do. That means he just decided that it's not about Saul. He gets changed to Paul later. It's not about Paul. It's about God. That's what it's all about. And in our life, we have to come to the realization this. It's not about what we want, what makes us comfortable, what we think and what we feel. It's all about what God says, what God knows, what God wants and what God feels. True commitment is that. God, it doesn't matter what I think. I want to know what you want. Complete commitment shows, it, it sanctifies us. It sets us apart. It simplifies our Christian life because we just are completely surrendered to God. You ever wondered how somebody could throw away everything they have and go to a foreign land and live and win people to the Lord? and just What makes them do that? Complete commitment. But what makes somebody... Here in the United States of America, where we have the freedom to serve the Lord, what makes us push away from God? What makes us not want to do that? I'll tell you what it is. It's love for self. It's pride. It's selfishness. And what we need is just, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? As I was reading it, that phrase just kept going through my heart and going through my mind is this, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And with our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight,